The Holy Gospel according to Luke, the third chapter. In the 15th year of the reign of Emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea and Herod was ruler of Galilee, and his brother Philip, ruler of the region of Iturea and Trachonitis, and Lysanias, ruler of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crooked shall be made straight and the rough ways made smooth and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. John said to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits worthy of repentance. Do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked him, what then should we do? In reply, he said to them, whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none. And whoever has food must do likewise. Even tax collectors came to be baptized and they asked him, teacher, what should we do? He said to them, collect no more than the amount prescribed for you. Soldiers also asked him, and we, what should we do? He said to them, do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusation and be satisfied with your wages. As the people were filled with expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water. But one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Now when all the people were baptized and when Jesus had also been baptized and was praying, the heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. The gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So, as most of you know, I was born and raised in Knoxville, Tennessee, and there is one of those southern phrases that's very commonly used, but it also happens to be one of the most commonly misunderstood phrases of the South. So I'm going to see how many of y'all are familiar with this. Here's the phrase, bless her heart. I say, okay, all right, good, we got some people who've heard this. So, and I'm just going to say bless her heart because that's usually, I was talking with Donna in between services, and this is usually a female thing, so I'm just going to stick with bless her heart. So in some parts of the South, it's used as a, as a compliment, 
right, as a way to thank someone for, for what they've done. So you might say, she should not have gone to all of that trouble making that brunch bless her heart, right? And it's just a, a compliment, and it's, and it's a good thing. But <laughs> where I'm from in East Tennessee, this phrase of bless her heart is used as a way to soften the blow of an insult, all right? It's always said with a smile and a slight hint of sarcasm, and it takes a long time to perfect it. And I'm still not good at it. Alice is cracking up over here because she knows. So here's how I would have used the phrase growing up, and I, I might slip into a little bit of an accent, so I apologize, but here's an example. She wouldn't know how to make cornbread if it hit her upside the head, bless her heart. So, so somehow, because I say bless her heart, I can say anything I want to about that person, and it just makes it a little less that I insulted her ability to make anything and be productive. Okay, so you see how that works. Well, I've been thinking a lot about blessings this week because our, our focus here in the season of Epiphany is blessings unleashed. And I'm going to use this word blessings a whole lot. It's the buzzword today, so just be prepared for that. We're going to hear it a lot. But don't we throw that around in culture, in our culture? I'm blessed to fill in the blank, right? I'm blessed to have a nice house with heat. I'm thinking about it today, especially on this, this cold weather that we've had, right? I'm blessed to have a good job, to have a healthy family. I'm blessed to have a good retirement account. I'm blessed to whatever. But my question is, when those things are taken away from us, when we don't have those things anymore, or something happens, or life gets hard, or maybe we never had some of those things ever to begin with, are we still blessed? Because oftentimes we equate blessing with being fortunate and being happy and being comfortable, but those things are so situational. Those things are so fleeting. I can be happy one moment, and then in five seconds I might not be happy the next moment. So I think there's got to be something much deeper than just this surface-level blessing. And here's what I think it means to be blessed. I think that it means that when the storms of life are raging around us, when life is chaotic, it's hectic, we don't know which end is up, that we experience God's presence with us. That God is with us, God is for us, that our God is a God of life and love that we are blessed even when life is hard. I think being blessed is about living fully into our identity as children of God and what it means to, to be those vessels of life and love in our world. I, I think it's about placing our trust in the creator of the universe who, who stretched forth the skies and the stars and the planets and was mindful of us, even so much so that God knows how many hairs are upon your head. I think being blessed is about identity and purpose, knowing who we are, whose we are, and why it is that God has put us here in the first place. That's what it's really rooted in. I, I love this. I love this gospel reading here from Luke. We've got JBAP. Yes, I call him JBAP. Let me explain why. Thank you, Julie. Um, it, it's it's a, a Catholic theologian. Instead of writing John the Baptist out in his writings, just says JBAP, 
because his books are already this thick, so he figures if I lessen it, I'll get some pages off. But I call him Jabap, the prophet formerly known as John the Baptist. Anyway, so he's out in the wilderness, and he's proclaiming this baptism of repentance. Repentance here in Greek, metanoia, literally means to return to one's true identity. Well, why would he be out there doing that? Well, let's, let's like rewind all the way back to the very beginning when God covenanted with Abraham. You remember this story? We, uh, you know, maybe in Sunday school you might have learned it many, long, many years ago. But Abraham and God, God told Abraham, I'm going to make you the father of a great nation. I'm going to give you land to live on. And then I'm going to bless you in order that you might be a blessing. Okay, so what happened to the Hebrew people? Well, they eventually end up being enslaved in Egypt. They wander around in the wilderness for 40 years. And then they end up right at the Jordan River, ready to enter into the promised land. And as they do that and they begin to live generation after generation after generation, they slowly forget their identity and their purpose. They forget that they have been blessed to be a blessing. So Jabap is out in the wilderness calling the people back to that river Jordan for a redo, for a refresh, for a restart, to be reimmersed back in the covenant, to be reimmersed back in the promise. Anybody here need to be reminded of who you are and why you're here? Man, I need it like every couple seconds. Like it just, it happens fast, right? I forget my identity because I start putting my identity in things that don't matter. Like my accomplishments or my status or my to-do list. I start putting my identity in what I've done or maybe what I haven't done. Right? It, it, that's what happens. And then all of a sudden I forget, whoa, hold on, those things don't matter. What matters is that God has named and claimed me as God's daughter. It's not about what I do, it's about who I am. But once I lose my identity, I then forget my purpose. That God has created me, God has created us to live and serve as the heart, hands, and feet of Jesus in the world. And so we need that redo. So this font is like our River Jordan. This is where God draws us back into these waters for a restart, for a redo, for a refresh, for a reminder that we are children of God. This is where we receive this gift of blessing. And Jesus models this for us in his baptism. So Jesus is baptized, and this was something, something kind of cool in Luke's telling of the story. We think that Jesus was maybe the only one who had heard God's voice speak to him. right? But God, God, God tells Jesus, he says, you're my son, I love you, and I'm proud of you. Before Jesus could go out and begin his earthly ministry, he had to be reimmersed in this promise. He had to receive this blessing before he could go out and be a blessing, before he could go out and be a gift. It's the same for us. God's words and God's promise to us. God says, you're my daughter. You're my son. I love you. And I'm proud of you. And when we hear that, that blessing, right, we first might say, great, awesome, that's good. But then we say, whoa, 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 hold on, God, hold on for a minute. Th there's some, so this doesn't work for me. This is too unfathomable. This is, I can't wrap my head around this. This seems unfair. And then we get into all the what ifs. Well, oh, oh, does this still hold true? What, what if my marriage is crumbling? What if my home life is a mess? What if my children, I, I just don't know where we're going? 
what, what about that time I lost my job or, or that time I lied or that time I cheated or, or what about that time I injured my neighbor and I really hurt them or, or, or what about that time I failed that test or I, I didn't get that role that I wanted or, or what about that time I got that, that medical diagnosis? What, what if? And it's right there into that space where our God lovingly interrupts us. God puts God's arm around our shoulder and once again, walks us right back over here. And God says, there is nothing, literally nothing, that can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And when we receive this gift of blessing, we are set free. We're set free from everything that holds us back. And then we are invited to go out of those doors and set others free to unleash people so that they can be those daughters and sons of God that they were created to be. And I don't know about you, and like I said, I have to, God has to like bring me over here to the font a lot. The wonderful gift is that God never gives up on us. God never quits on us. It's not like we forget our identity and purpose and God says, all right, I'm done with you. I'm going to move on to somebody else. I'm done. No. We see this in the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Even when we said no to God, God continued to say yes to us by raising Jesus from the dead. It's through that promise that God's life and love win, and we trust that our God is with us, our God is for us, our God will never give up on us or quit on us, and our God is counting on us to live into this life of blessing so that we can go be blessings to the world. And we're called to do that wherever we find ourselves, at home, at work, at school, at the ball fields, at band practice, at Target. I'm at Target like every other day. Anybody with me on the whole Target thing? How can you be a blessing there, right, to those that you encounter and meet? How can you set all people free to stop seeing the world in this, like, black, white, in, out, right, wrong, winner, loser, divided world, but instead Live into the gray areas to see every person as someone who has a unique, beautifully messy story and is worthy of love because love is the only thing that will transform this world. So my sisters and brothers, we have been blessed through this gift of identity as children of God to go out and be blessings in the world. I was talking with a family recently, uh, talking about our own little corner of the world, right? Making a difference in our own little corner. How can you go out today and make that difference in that little corner of your world? Who is it that needs to hear the good news? That they are a daughter and a son of God no matter what. Who needs to have that message of life and love? Who can you be a gift and a blessing for? I pray that God will open our hearts and our minds to whoever that is, so that we can share this good news and be God's gifts to the world. Here in a moment, we're going to have our Selah time. This is a beautiful time in worship for just a contemplative moment to just stop and pause and take a breath. And what I really hope that you will prayerfully be in meditation about is how is it that you receive God's blessing of identity, and how is it that God is calling you to be a blessing out in the world? So, My fellow sisters and brothers, God's gifts to the world. May we bless the world, one person, one relationship, one gift of love and life at a time. Amen.